Welcome to Blue Bloods College Game Time. A true blue pod production. Quarterback draw. He's got running room. And a first down. Watch out. He's got getaway speed. Touchdown. That game on last night had me sweating. I couldn't believe it. It was college game time. A couple of blue bloods out competing. College game day Saturdays. Big time players making plays. All I really need is another weekend full of back to back games. Just me and my friends, man. I love college. College football. I love March Madness. Let's go. We are back. We are back with the March Madness edition of the Blue Bloods College Game Time Podcast. It's your boy, Trey Smith. I've missed you all so much. It's your boy, Brandon Holmes. In the words of Pastor Mace, welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome, <laughs> welcome back. back. It's been weird because I we got such a rhythm of recording every week. I was like, man, we haven't done an episode in a while. I know it. Well, and those of you that are wondering, like, what the heck is going on? Basically, what we've decided for our Blue Bloods podcast is we are going to go from week zero of college football until National Signing Day, which is basically when our last episode, our last full episode was um, that week going into National Signing Day. And then we're going to do the month of March, bringing you all the March Madness coverage. So, that's kind of what our flow and rhythm is going to be for the full-blown podcast. So if you're a listener on iTunes, Spotify, you can expect a few more episodes here uh, for the month of March as we as we get into arguably the greatest sports time of the year, one of my favorite at least. And oh, then wow. um, and then we'll be back uh, week zero of uh, college football. Now that yeah. doesn't mean. That's the only content we're bringing. Of course, if you go to our YouTube channel, you could subscribe at our YouTube uh, slash college game time. We try to drop videos daily, weekly. Uh, some of you are looking at this right now going, man, it's been a while since y'all posted. And you're right. It has been, uh, I think right. the last week, week or so, life has happened. I got a little sick. Everything's just, it's crazy. But uh, go to our YouTube channel because we do drop college sports content, fresh college sports content, nonstop. And another exciting announcement we have, B. Holmes. You want to let them know? Man, we have a full live blog. You can go right yes, now. CollegeGameTime.com. Man, we went. I think that's also, let's just be honest, with some of the delay with the YouTube stuff. We were trying yes. to get the, well, sh- kudos to Trey. Trey was really handling that. I've been crazy at work for me. He handled to make sure we get the blog up to date and, um, just another place, man, where we wanted to kind of house everything, man. So collegegametime.com, we got some – it's live right now. Go check it it's out. There's some good articles up there right now. Yep. We're posting articles up there. We've got video content on the YouTube. Our, essentially, we will eventually house everything on collegegametime.com. We'll put – everything we put on yeah. YouTube will go to the website. Everything we write will go to the website. Everything we record from a podcast. I mean, right now, we've got the blog. We've got our videos. We've got podcasts. It's all there. Um, but it's an upstart, like it's, it's brand new. So go check it out. Show us some love, read what we've already put up. We're going to be dropping more stuff, uh, in the coming weeks. And like I said, we've been saying it from the beginning, be homes brick by brick. Um, I'm going to turn my mic down just a little bit. Cause I feel like it's a little hot. Um, but okay. we've said brick by brick, uh, one thing at a time. And here we are rocking and rolling. So Six, seven months rocking and rolling. <sighs> Crazy. So yeah. So go check out collegegametime.com. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, please hit subscribe right now. We've we're actually be homes. We're up past two thousand subscribers now. We're almost Come to twenty one hundred actually. All the subscribers, man. Yeah, man. Shout out to the subscribers. I, I got to give a shout out. He's probably one of my favorite subscribers. Stephen Costello, the yeah. Nebraska fan, man. Stephen, I didn't wear the Nebraska. I told him. The next time we recorded, next time we do a football episode, week zero, I gotta rock my Nebraska gear, man. But shout out to all the faithful fans, the blue bloods out there, the game, the game timers that follow us. We appreciate it, man. All the support, um, it, it's kept us encouraged as we've tried to navigate this uncharted water of, yes. of sports broadcasting. Well, and Stephen, if Brandon will ever send me the shirt you 
gave me it's in the mail, got actually. me it's Jessica in the mail. Okay. put it in the mail Jessica I'm committing put it in the mail. right now I'll, I'll wear it week zero as well you know why behold because week zero arguably the top game that weekend slate is Nebraska playing Nebraska. in uh Ireland Ireland but right back to what this episode and this month's all about and it's the madness of March in fact speaking of Nebraska they just knocked off Wisconsin the number one team in the yes. Big Ten just knocked them off. I Last place team knocks I off the it. first place team. The madness has already begun. I mean, it wasn't but a weekend ago. Not this past weekend, like a couple days ago, but last weekend, seven right. of the top ten teams, one, two, three, four, five, six, and nine, I believe, six. all lost on the mm -hmm. same day. Madness. Right. And then here's another piece. Coach K in his – yeah. Finale of his farewell tour, his farewell last tour. game he will ever coach at Cameron Indoor Stadium, the arena that Coach K built against the hated arch rival North Carolina Tar Heels. I mean, the Duke Carolina rivalry, I mean, essentially historic. is one of the historic greatest rivalries in all of sports. And Coach K is at the forefront of that. They Absolutely. lost. How do you lose that Soccer. game? Did you watch it? Yes, I did. I wrote about it yeah, a little bit. I was, but. Yeah, well, yeah, you did. You did. On collegegametime.com right now, you can go check out what, <laughs> what Trey had to say about it. It was a very, um, I did, I, you know, I haven't watched a ton of college basketball, Trey, and I used to be ve a very avid watcher, and I'm getting back to it. Even this Duke team, I want, it just didn't feel like the dominant Duke teams of like that I grew up watching in the Coach K eras. Yes. I, I would say this team is talented, but it's like they they didn't have that grit. They didn't have that like that edge, you know, because the Duke teams we grew up on, they had this like arrogance about them. It was like the villain, and they all played into like we are the villains of college football. We're smarter than you. Basketball. We're um we're better than you. Yeah, like and we're just like it just I just felt like watching this team, I was like, I don't feel like they have the Duke edge. Like, and that is a thing from the JJ Reddicks to the John Shires to the Mike Dunleavy's, the Jason Williams, the oh, Elton Brands, Corey McGett, like those teams always had Christian this like, edge they played with. Christian Leitner, yeah, like mm -hmm. I just was watching this team and I was just like something's missing. It was like the Duke mystique was gone. And it's the first time I've like watched a full game of Duke this year. Um, and I was just like, it just didn't feel like they had the mystique about them. You know, they've really kind of lost a little bit of that luster. Really, I would say over this past decade, really since Coach K started kind of buying into the one-and-done uh, one yeah. philosophy. You know, he was very against that and kind of kept recruiting teams that would have, you know, a lot of four-year guys, three- and four-year guys, and build his program that way. And that's kind of what – I remember even the Shane Battier year, the year he came out of the to, – to enter the NBA draft, he was like one of the only guys drafted um, in the first round who spent four years in college. Right. And so yeah. Coach K really was, like, convicted by that. And really it shifted that year that Kentucky won it all with Anthony Davis. And, and really Coach Cal, who's been an advocate for the one-and-done thing since his time right. at Beginning. UMass even. I mean, like he's right. he, he's not someone that just came on the wave once it became popular. Like he's someone who's advocated for that kind going of back to his yeah. early days. Yeah, I mean, he was at the forefront of it. And then with Dewan Wagner at Memphis and all of those things. And so, so he brought that to Kentucky and everyone was very much against it and was like, man, that's going to destroy college basketball. Then he goes and wins a national title. And I think at that point, Coach K goes, wow, okay, we're Duke. We have the ability to go get these guys. Like, let's just go get them. And so yeah. he did. And I want to say in that time, I think they only won one national title. It was the year when they had uh, Jaleel Okafor. Uh, who oh, are some of yeah, the other guys team. on that team? Tyson. Uh, uh, uh Tyus, Tyus Jones. Tyus, Tyus Jones. Jones was on that. And who was the was wing that, that went to the Heat? I can't think of his name. He was uh he was one of their Oh, that was um Winslow, Justice Winslow. Winslow, yes. So Winslow. Huh? Well, that's Justice this year. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. That was, and that they was, beat I was uh, this year. They beat Wisconsin, but 
I mean, we were kind of robbed of what could have been one of the greatest national title games of all time. It would have been a 39-0 Kentucky team versus that Duke team, but Wisconsin, remember, upset Kentucky in the Final Four. Yep. Anyways, talking the long way around that Coach K's philosophy started to shift, and it just seems like over the last decade, it's not that he hasn't had incredibly talented teams. I mean, going even the year with R.J. Uh, Hampton, Zion Williamson, and Cam Reddish, I mean, that group, but... It's like to your point, they 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 haven't had that same like Duke mystique. I love that term that we grew yeah. up on. And I'll be honest with you, I said this earlier it, this this season, and then you can. But a team that's kind of started to take on that that mold a little bit is Gonzaga. And the only reason why I say that I think is yeah. because you got like Drew Timmy, who kind of sure. has a little bit of a Christian Leitner type edge to him, and yeah. There's never going to be another Duke. I don't think you could ever replicate what that what that era was that, that that lasted 30 years or so. And I mean, I know Coach K's been there 40, but I'm not including this last decade. But anyways, right? I I'm with you on that. Yeah, I just think it's um, I think the best. I mean, obviously hindsight's 2020. I think Coach K could have got away with still recruiting how he did, but then pulling in the occasional. You know, there's not like I would never pass on Zion. Like I no. wouldn't pass on Zion. You know what I mean? I wouldn't pass on R.J. Barrett. Um, but yeah, I R. think like I said, R.J. Hampton. Zach, you said R.J. Hampton, but yeah. yeah. Um, but I think like a good person who's kind of I could say is trying to kind of model that a little bit is, and I'm a little bit of a homer, but it's Jawan Howard. He hmm. went and got two top hundred freshmen, um, brought them in, and then built the rest of the team as veteran led. Um, and and I think. I think if K never gets away from that model, you can because like I'm watching the game and it just I was like this doesn't feel like the Duke that I know. Like mm. I, I'm just gonna go to let say I'm like where's the gritty white guy? Like where is he? Where, like where's he at, man? Like you know you're known to have one of those guys. Like where's the the enforcer that's been there for five years? You know, because mm-hmm. um, I, I mean I can still rattle off my favorite Duke team of all time. You know the Greg Paulish years that he played court. He played. Uh, you know, point guard there, and then you had Zubac, and then you had um, what's the what's the guy Kyle Singler? Like, I mean, yeah, Gerald Henderson, Daniel Ewing, like Nolan. It's just, but to your point, those guys were homegrown in the program. Like, I remember being a because I was an avid Duke fan. I mm-hmm. remember like looking back, and you could know like, oh, who's coming up the ranks? Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, we're losing JJ this year, but next year we got A, B, C, D. You know, think about Chris Duhon. He was drafted, yeah. I mean, in the league and had a good – Duhon felt like he was that dude for like eight years. Like I, I remember saying, you're like, man, Chris Duhon's still here? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that was kind of part of probably like shifting that culture and it transcended from team to team and from year to year. It's because like guys really went to Duke and had to wait their time to play. And then you had the right. occasional Elton Brands and Corey Maggettis of the world that were just like that good. Well, you know, they could go one and done. Or I think even Elton still did two years. Um, so yeah. I don't know, man. It was it was hard for me to see. I was like just watching it because it was the farewell game and the end of an era, but I wasn't impressed. Like it almost was like I found out Santa Claus wasn't real. You know, it was just like, uh, okay, man. The the Duke that I once knew no longer exists and it's this new era, which I'm sure is gonna be great and John Shire would do a great job there, but it just, it didn't, I felt bad that he had to lose that way and that team didn't exemplify the teams of what I was used to, the product Coach K putting on the floor. Hey, and how many how many years, felt like decades, that, that we had a Duke roster that at least had a Plumlee in the lineup, you know? Like, yeah. there was a Plumlee. <laughs> it seemed like, yeah, like true. It, it got to a point where you're going, man, like, For like nine there's years. no Plumlee on Duke? What's wrong? <laughs> What's going on here? Yeah, right. Exactly. No, I, I'm with you. I mean, exactly. I think my favorite team was probably the one you already referenced the Jay Williams, Chris Duhon, Mike Dunleavy, um, that squad that won it all. I think 2000, um, 99, 2000, something like that. That was probably my favorite, favorite Duke team. But of course I remember the great nineties teams and all that, but back to the bottom line is how do you lose to North Carolina on Coach K's final game at Cameron Indoor? Did you see how many alumni were at that game? Man, it was huge. It's I crazy. thought they should have blew them out the water. I mean, and then afterwards, they're trying to do this retirement ceremony, and Coach K's like 
pissed. I mean, visibly. And he's oh, he's heated. This is not okay. No, no, just just be quiet and let me yeah. finish. He he's really become kind of a like <laughs> grumpy old man. Because I don't know if you remember, was it last year, or the year before? It was whenever uh, Jeff Capel, who was coaching Pitt, came to Cameron mm. Indoor, and the the student section were just cheering and doing student section and doing chants and coach K if I remember correctly like misinterpreted thinking they were like like hazing Capel and yeah, yeah, yeah. he goes yeah, over there that. and like reprimands the whole student section and he's screaming at him he's one of us he's one and I'm just going god man he he's and then again I go how <sighs> much is he really like how much is he really coaching now? You know, is it is it all I, led by his assistants and the guy that's getting ready to take over the former player you just referenced? Um, yeah, John Shire. Uh, Shire, and so I don't know. Man. I think it's more so. So one of one of my cousins, this guy Kirk Keener, he is like legendary. He's one of the most winningest high school basketball coaches in the country. I think he leads Michigan high school basketball wins. Mm. And I remember it kind of like the same feel of like this Coach K. I remember like we went to see him right before he stopped coaching at Detroit Country Day. And um, powerhouse program, everybody from around the country, even around the world. He had guys coming from like Latvia to play for him, you know. Mm. Um, but I remember at the end of his tenure, like we were out to dinner afterwards and he was like, yeah, I'm at this point in my life. Like, I mean, I'm the face of the program, but my assistant coaches do all the coaching. Like I'm trying to get them prepared. They're going to have head coaching gigs. Oh, no. I want to get them ready. And when you said that, and even when I was watching the game, I kind of felt like the same thing with Coach K. I'm like, he's just kind of like the placeholder at this point. He's the face mm -hmm. of the program. He's been grooming Shire for a couple years. Like, everybody kind of knew John was the head coach in waiting, especially once Capel's left. Like, that was the clear indication he wasn't going to get the job. Um, I think, like, yeah, I don't think he does much coaching anymore. He's, I would say, Trey, he's probably the closer. Like, when kids come to Duke yeah. and they want to recruit, I think Kay's like, yeah, I'm still here. Like, you know, and he shakes the hands, meets the parents, and closes the deal. But I, I believe Shire's probably been coaching at least since last year, like full-time running the – running. because even – if you even look, he wasn't even as animated on the sideline. Like, I remember the Coach K's of our day is he's oh, up, yeah. he's sweating, he's waving his arms, he's, yeah. he's getting fired up, and he's just kind of – even if you look over the last couple of the seasons, he's just kind of – Sitting on the bench and, you know, giving out – it looks like, I'm assuming, giving input when it's needed. But I believe probably Shire and Capels have probably been coaching that team for some time at this point. Well, well dude, and even before them, like Wojo was was next in line oh, to take over Wojo. the program. Yeah. But then he went to Marquette. And so, that yeah, I mean, right. we're talking – we're on our third former player now assistant who <laughs> right. was set to take over the program, and finally it's about to happen. Okay, let's get off Coach K. Obviously, Duke is going into the ACC tourney still as the number one seed. They'll probably still get a high seed in the big dance. Whatever. Best of luck to them. What I want to do, since we are this week, we, we, we've we already started conference tournaments, right? And, and, and the conference tourney yes. week, it's kind of like the appetizer. It's like the preview for the main meal. It's like the, 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 the preview for the main feature, which is getting ready to start next week, and that's that's the big dance. But the conference tournament every single year, you have a team that wasn't expected or they, they were either on the bubble or they weren't expected to be in the tournament at all, the big tournament, and then all of a sudden, like, they go on a tear, win their conference tournament, carry that momentum into the big dance and end up in the Sweet 16, and it's like, wow, three weeks ago, this team wasn't even being considered for the tournament at all. And so right. what I want to do right now in this little segment of this episode Let's go through the Power Six. Yes, I said Power Six because of basketball, I'm including Big East. We're going to go through the Power Six conference tournaments and pick out a dark horse team that you could realistically see winning that tournament, getting a tourney bid, and making some noise uh, in the big dance. And here's the only rule. Yeah. You can't select a team that's in the top four seeds. Usually the top four seeds, depending on the tournament layout, they either get a bye week or they get a double bye. I know like in the SEC, the top four teams get a double bye. So they obviously have the advantage. And I don't know that I would consider that a dark horse team to win. I think especially the SEC, you look at any right. of those top four and you probably expect one of those teams to win it all or, or right, right. win through the conference tourney. Now, let me just clarify this, listeners or viewers, if you're watching on YouTube, 
What we are not doing is picking who we think is actually going to win these conference tournaments. Okay? We are simply picking a dark horse team that we think could realistically, unexpectedly win the conference tournament and then go make some noise in the NCAA tournament. So we're going to start with the ACC. And you want me to go first? Yeah, go for it. Okay. I'm picking the ninth-seeded Syracuse Orangemen. Um, and here's why. If there was ever a team who could limp into the ACC Conference Tournament with a losing record and then two, three weeks from now find themselves in the Sweet 16, it's Syracuse. And it really comes down to their style of play, that Bayheim 2-3 zone that just works wonders in March. It's very difficult to prepare for on short notice. And, and it, it plays that, for, for that reason, it plays to their advantage come tourney time. And so that's why you see Syracuse, especially over these you know past five, six, seven years, you know, they're a team that will end up in the Sweet 16 or even like the last time they were in the Final Four, they got there as a 10 seed. Right, it's because you yeah. get them in the tournament. You got to play teams on quick, short turnaround notice, and it's just hard to play against that zone. It's hard to attack that zone, and um, um, uh, I mean, you can't replicate it in practice, anyways. But then, much less on you know twenty four hour, forty eight hour turnaround time playing. Right. Um, but I will say this: they lost their big man. Uh, earlier in February and he was kind of like a dagger to the heart. Uh, what's his name? Jesse Edwards. Um, he was starting to come on. He kind of anchored the middle of that zone, but here's the deal. If you clued in last year, Syracuse made a little run. I think they've got to the sweet 16 behind the sharp shooting of none other than buddy Bayheim, coach Bayheim's son. Yeah. Uh, he went on a tear. So if he can find that rhythm and, uh, they can give teams fits with their defense, I wouldn't be shocked to see old Syracuse make a run in the ACC tournament. So that's my ACC pick. Dark horse pick. Uh, my dark horse pick, I'm going to go with number six, the Virginia Cavaliers. Here's why. Okay. Three three years removed from winning a national title. Tony Bennett's a great, great coach. I used to hate on Tony Bennett a lot. But he's a phenomenal coach. He's He's proven, he's completely turned his Virginia program around, has made them, I mean, if we're being honest in his tenure at Virginia, made them nationally relevant. Obviously, they're having like a, 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 you know, not so hot year as we've known them to have within, I would say, what, the last five or so years. But I think when it comes down to tournament games and to your point, how you say the 2-3 zone is hard to prepare for, we also have to take into account experience and coaching experience, knowing how to get your team, get getting them up for another game, learning how to game plan that quick of a turnaround, learning how to get them in the right position. And I mean, one thing I'll never argue against, yes, the players have to play, but having a championship-winning coach matters. Mm-hmm. It matters in tough moments. It matters in quick turnarounds. It it matters in the tournament. Like, we've seen it time and time again. One coaching decision in the midst of a game in a tournament can take a team from potentially losing in the first round to being a Sweet 16 competitive team. And mm-hmm. um, I'm thinking in the ACC, like Tony Bennett, I I, I – Virginia, to me, they always have a boring style of basketball. Like, that's why I was so mad when it won in 2019. It's a boring – but it works for their program. And mm-hmm. I think about the big run they had to, in 2019. I mean, yes, I, I mean, I, if I remember, they were very high seed. But still, everyone kept was like, ah, it's boring. Someone's going to outpace them. Someone's going to outrun them. And they just kind of slowed. And they did it with a bunch of no-name guys. I believe Kyle Guy was on that team. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, was he really a household name? No. So I I look at that. The ACCs are always a good basketball conference, but I'm looking at all the factors going into this, and I think a guy like Tony Bennett, who's won it all before, who's been very competitive before and has continuously been competitive in the ACC, which even after I've watched Duke, who would probably be the number one, who is the number one seed, and some of the other teams, I'm not thorough. It just doesn't feel like the ACC of the past where, you know, we remember what it used to be like. Yeah, yes. no one's touching Duke or North Carolina. And right. no, you know, or Georgia Tech was having a hot year of Wake Forest, like where it was a clear distinction amongst the top teams. I feel yeah, or like Virginia. it's kind of like, yeah, yeah you know, over I feel like right now the ACC is kind of like jumbled. Um, and I wouldn't be shocked if if they made a hot run. Um, it wouldn't, I just it, I wouldn't be shocked. 
I think they can lure you to sleep. I think they can kind of wear you down. And then next thing you know, it's like, crap, Virginia's in, the, they won the ACC and now they're in the Elite Eight. And you would have never thought twice about it. Oh, yeah. It's like death by a thousand cuts against Virginia. They just <laughs> suffocate you on defense. They make you defend exactly. for like the full shot clock on offense. And it's just like, man, if, if, if you allow them to control the pace and the tempo, it's a very tough team to beat if you're not used to playing that style of basketball. So very pack line driven defensive philosophy, very, um, you know, methodical uh, offense. Right. And, you know, they get deep into the shot clock every possession. So every possession, I, I'm with you on that. All right, let's move to the Big East. I'm going to let you go first because, by the way, I actually wrote a piece. I wrote, I put a blog up about this exact topic. So, the only pick I might change in this conversation is this Big East pick because I believe that Brandon is about to pick the same team I had, but we'll see. Who do you got for Probably. your Big East yeah, dark I, horse? Well, I, I did pick the same team you picked, it, which is Marquette. Um, love Marquette. Go Eagles, baby. Um, go Eagles. I have a little bit of allegiance. My dad got recruited by Marquette. He always said that's where he should have went. Um, nice. But Shaka Smart, man. Like I, We know Shaka Smart. We've been watching Shaka Smart since – his days, uh, where did he come? Was it VCU? VCU he came from, or yeah, when he came Final from VCU, four. and it was just like, man, and he's just been known for that. And I actually was reading an article as I was doing some research for today's podcast, and he was just saying, like, somebody made a good point. They were like, when you have the type of defense Shaka has, and you know how to implement it, it's actually easier for your team to pick up on that while they're still trying to find their offensive rhythm. And mm -hmm. I feel like, like I watched a little bit of Marquette not too long ago, and it feels like. They're starting to click. They're starting to, as in track terms, they're peaking at the right time of the season. And you got a guy like Shaka who didn't fit at Texas. Even, I think, across the country, we were all like, why would you go to UT? Just didn't feel like a good fit. I think mm -hmm. Marquette is, like, a great fit for Shaka Smart. And I think his team's clicking. I forget the forward that, that plays for him, but he's on a lot of NBA scouts' radars this year. Um, it seems like their offense is starting to find itself. But that defense and what we know, man, in tournament time, defense can really win you a championship in the NCAA tournament and in your conference tournaments. Like, if you play relentless, tough defense, which we know his teams put pressure on you like that, mm -hmm. I would not be shocked, man, if they, if they make a strong run in the Big East tournament. And I also would not be shocked if they, like you said, this could be a team you look up and you're like, Marquette's in the Sweet 16. And I mm -hmm. wouldn't be like, oh, really? I would be like, eh, that, was, I, that was very believable. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? I'm not going to change my pick. I'm going to stick with Marquette. I'm just going to kind of expound on what you've already touched on, which is one, the, 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 the fact that they are also battle tested this year. They beat Villanova twice. They beat Illinois, who is the one seed in the big 10, by the way. And, uh, I believe they beat Providence. So they beat they the did. one seed in the Providence. big East, the, 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 the two seed twice, and they beat the one seed in the big 10 so they are battle tested. Yeah. And getting back to his Texas experiment, like he just never really was able to incorporate, I believe the style of basketball he believes in. And I saw him actually speak at a convention shortly after he was named the head coach of Texas. And he talked about the kind of kid he likes to recruit. And it's just interesting because I remember even then thinking, man, it's going to be difficult to, to find that type of kid at Texas. You know, whereas at like VCU and now I believe he'll do the same at Marquette where you're able to kind of capitalize on the guy who was overlooked, um, was not on anybody's radar, who could play, who had some dog in them, but they're coming in to their college experience with a massive chip on their shoulder. I'm talking, think about like the, right. the, the Dwayne Wades, the Jimmy Butlers, right? Like the, right. the, you know, ultimately became household names and they came out of Marquette. That was kind of what he was able to get at VCU where these kids that came in that he could really get to buy into this Havoc-style havoc philosophy. Um, and so, to your point, I think he's going to be able to replicate that at Marquette. I think Texas just wasn't the right fit. And it's not even that he didn't have yeah. success at Texas. He just didn't really live up to the hype of what he was expected to do when he took over. And right. You know, and the fact that he replaced Rick Barnes, I don't think they real Texas realized how good they had it with Rick Barnes because look what he's been doing at Tennessee ever since. And I just, yep. I don't know. I think that uh, 
I'm happy for him. I'm glad he's at Marquette, and I'm excited to see what he, he does as he continues to build that program. Because remember, he's only in year one right now. So only in year one, man. It's only going to get right. better. Big East, what do we got? Oh, Big Ten. Big all right, Ten. I'm going first on this one. And I know for a fact that I did not pick the team that you were going to pick for the Big Ten. <laughs> and that is none other than who you might refer to as little brother. I'm going to refer to as Sparty. That's the Tom Izzo Michigan State Spartans. They are the seventh seed in that bracket. Um, here's, here's the thing about Tom Izzo in March. I think you could go to your local hardware store, pick out a dozen random people, put them in a gym for six weeks in March, or put them in a gym for six weeks, and then in March give them the Tom Izzo, and he's going to have them in the Sweet 16. That's just kind of his brand. And like... I know last year they, they got knocked off in the play-in game, but the team that knocked them off went all the way to the Final Four. Um, it's been a few years since they've had a deep run. I just think that they are due. I think they've got a tough team. Um, I feel like they have an injury, or maybe they got someone back. I think what their big Achilles heel has been this year is turning the ball over. And so if they can, if they can be smart, if they can protect the ball and play just their – you know, Michigan State, Tom Izzo style of hoops. I think they got a shot. And I'm looking at the bracket right now. I mean, they open it up with Maryland, who they just handled on Sunday. Um, then they would face Wisconsin, who's coming off that devastating loss to Nebraska. I mean, they really wouldn't even have to mess with um, Illinois, or I guess they would have to play probably it would be Purdue. I mean, look, it's going to be a dogfight, but I just feel like it's March. Their back's kind of against the wall right now. I think they're a bubble team. They need to make some noise in the they Big are. Ten tournament. And uh, I just, I don't I don't bet against Tom Izzo when the season's on the line. Who you got? I feel bad, man. Tom Izzo has not lived up to the hype since Mateen Cleaves and Mo Pete. I, I, I'm so over Tom Izzo. But, I mean, he's you been know, I was actually back four, like I think most people would. Multiple times since then. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. Flintstones is one of John my favorite college basketball teams of all time, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it's the disrespect as a Michigan fan because it's like if you look over the last probably two decades, Michigan's probably been a little bit more successful. But okay, so my pick. It was tough. It was tough. I almost actually leaned Iowa because um, mm. I like their brand of basketball. I really do like their brand of basketball. They're tough. They're gritty. I didn't think they would be able to replace Luke Garza the way they did the All-American Center from last year. They had a very, very solid season. But it wouldn't be Homer if I wouldn't ride with my boys in big in blue, man. I just I I had to pick me. And here's why. This is before besides my Homer pick. One, I believe Howard is about to come in with a massive chip on his shoulder after how I think the Big Ten fumbled the whole the punishment. incident. The incident, right? I think that's a whole topic for a different discussion, but I think he feels some type of way that he got the suspension and the Wisconsin coach walked away scot-free with the $10,000 fine that we know the school's going to pay. Mm. I also believe – Phil Martelli, who stepped in as the interim head coach, former Saint, coach of St. Joe's, um, who probably is now giving Howard some different things to look at as far as how to maximize the potential of this team. But because before Howard was there, we were running into a lot of issues about like how to run Hunter Dickinson, who's our All-American center, and this transfer guard, Devontae Jones, who's kind of having a iffy year after potentially could have been drafted last year. But I think Phil gave the blueprint to Jawan of, hey, this is how we can maximize the guys we have now. And I will say this, and this and they're they're I would say they're one of the most talented teams in the Big Ten. But I would say they love their coach. Mm. And I it just wouldn't shock me if they come into this with, you know, they I mean the whole time they were posting free Jawan. Um, and then we saw what they just did to Michigan State. We saw they just pulled the upset mm. on Ohio State. They played Iowa close. Um I mean, they went three and two in that run without uh, Jawan, and those are must-win games. Mm -hmm. I think Jawan's going to come back fired up, ready to go, kind of to prove a point. And I think he definitely wants to see Wisconsin again, and I think the team wants to see Wisconsin again. So, um, 
I'm picking Michigan, but if I'm being honest, Trey, it wouldn't shock me if Iowa pulled it all off. They're a very tough team. They're a very, yeah. very tough team, and they're very good at what they do. They're big. They're bruising. They're going to wear you down. They're going to jack you up in the paint. They can shoot the rock. Um, I, I want, I'm saying Michigan, that's my homer pick, but I really, if I'm being objective, Iowa would be a team that would be my dark horse, honestly. Dude, I would almost pay pay-per-view money, not really, but just for the sake of being dramatic, <laughs> to see Michigan-Wisconsin rematch in the Big Ten Championship. Oh. Because oh. the way the brackets lined up is that that would be the only way those two teams would, would face each other is in the championship. So, But to your point about Iowa, they do have a little bit better of a draw, whereas they're going to get – Nebraska Northwestern winner in the first round. Then they yep. get Rutgers next, whereas Michigan's got Indiana and then would have Illinois next. And dude, Illinois, mm-hmm. them dudes. That's a they, tough team, man. They, they got a squad. But um man, you kind of got me hyped now that I didn't look at that initially, but I, I would love to see Michigan Wisconsin rematch. All eyes would be on that. All oh, that would be the most watched game of that weekend. Uh-huh. Of the conference, tournament, whatever. So, okay, let's move on. Let's get to the Big 12. Uh, you can take this one first. And uh, this, this, was, this was hard for me, man. I don't watch a lot of Big 12 basketball. I don't. Um, so, I, I, it was more so like I kind of put a name in a hat and drew it, drew it out. I'm actually kind of going with Iowa State. And that's just because okay. of recent games. I've kind of tuned in just a little bit. So they had some pretty good wins. Um, I don't know a lot about them. It's just, one, I know you hate Iowa State. So that was a that was a big pull for me. Um, Dude, you two, know what? I love their fr- – I'm over that. I mean, I think the football yeah. season <laughs> took care of itself. So, just anyways, go for it. Took care of itself. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> Also, I love their facilities. It's one of my favorite places I've ever ran to meet at. Um, that's really why I'm picking Iowa State. I mean, I know they just had a big one recently. I don't watch a lot of big. And I knew you would pick OU even before your article. Um, I knew you would uh, pick OU because I remember us talking about them on the podcast. Um, mm-hmm. and I think their head coach you were really impressed with. So, yep, really, Iowa State is just like a pick for no – I've done no study on the Big 12. I like their facility. I know we hated against them earlier in the year, and I know they um their uniforms are kind of cool. So, Iowa, <laughs> it was that's why I picked Iowa State, bro. Well, you you called mine out. OU, that's who I've got. And here here's my thought process here, right? Because that bottom half of the Big Twelve bracket that I'm looking at right now, Baylor is the top seed of the bottom half. Well, if you mm-hmm. look at Baylor's history in the Big Twelve tournament, like it hasn't been very good. And I don't know if that's because Scott drew true. You know, they're, they're just focused on the big dance. Cause they know that's where they're headed. Uh, if he hates Kansas city, like, I don't know what it is, but they don't typically perform well in the big 12 tournament. And so I feel like unless he just decides that this is the year he wants to win the big 12 tournament. I think the bottom half is pretty wide open. You've got Texas tech, you've got Iowa state and you've got OU. Mm-hmm. I have been saying, as you just alluded to, since December, that OU is going to be a team to watch in March. Okay? Now it's time to put up or shut up. I'm going to stand by that statement because here's what OU's problem has been this year is consistency. Okay. Like, they yes. have a squad, and they are very, very well coached. As you said, like, I love yes. Porter Mosier. He's the guy who who took... Loyola Chicago to the final four, uh, had the big upset. Um, uh, uh, gosh, I think they upset Virginia, the one seed of Virginia. I can't, I, I, I I might be mixing up my seedings in my years, but, um, and I probably am, but he got them to the final four. Maybe that was a different team that upset Virginia. Either way, he got Loyola Chicago, Chicago, the final four. He's a phenomenal coach. Again, he, he's a guy that seems to be at his best and has his teams playing at their best in do or die, win or go home type situations. Yeah. Over the course of the season though, I mean, they've, they've, um, let me look here. Cause they've had some, some, 
some good wins this season. I don't have them they've like had some significant wins this season right in front of me, but they've beaten some good teams. They, I want to say they beat Kansas. They beat Arkansas, who is now peaking at the right time. I mean, there's a lot of ranked teams that OU has beaten. And uh, I'm going to fact check myself real quick before I start rambling too much because I'm going to look it up right now. Right here live on the pod. Let's go OU. Who were who the big? No, they lost to Kansas by two. They beat Tech pretty comfortably. That's what it was. They lost to Texas and they lost to Kansas by two. So that, w- that was that week where they had a slate of Tech, Kansas, UT, back to back to back. But then Texas Tech came back and got their revenge on them later on. But they did. Uh, they, I, I guess what I'm saying is they've just shown they can compete with um, the top teams. They just, they have, they've ran into some situations where they haven't been able to close out games. They've, They've run into some situations where they've been inconsistent or they've blown big leads. But if you look at what they've done here in the last month, last couple weeks, they've sort of quietly ended the season on a three-game win streak. They're playing really good team ball. I think if Baylor kind of trots out their typical conference tournament team and OU's able to win that that, that, that first round game against them, that's going to ignite their confidence. And, and I just, I think it's a team that could make some noise. And, and to be honest with you, as I look at my like dark horse picks, they, if I had to say, okay, which one do you actually think is going to do it? Yeah. I would probably tell you, oh, you, and that, 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 I mean, that might be a little too bold that that statement may not age well, but, um, I just think they're a team to look out for uh, in this conference tournament. Now, they may go drop, lose to Baylor by 20 on Wednesday or Thursday, whatever day it is that they're playing. <laughs> but um, Thursday, yeah. I, I just – I'm, I'm kind of high on them right now. And you know how it is with college basketball. Like, it's so hard to keep up with who, what, what players are on what teams. So, you, it's all about the coaches, right? And unless it's a team you, right, like, right. specifically follow game in, game out – you know, you don't really know who the, who, who's on the roster. You might know if it's a projected top 10 pick or something, but for the most part, you know, you put all your faith in the coaches. And uh, that's what I'm doing with OU. So, Pac-12? Hmm. Pac-12. All right, I'm going to kick this one off. This is yeah. probably my most difficult pick because I'm extremely confident UCLA, USC, or Arizona is winning this tournament. Like, like without a doubt. Bottom line. So, in trying to stick to our rule of dark horse, not in the top four seeds, I really struggled with between uh, Oregon and Washington State. And mm. both for different reasons. But I ended up giving Oregon the nod really because of how the bracket their side of the bracket sort of sets itself up. So they start with Oregon state who's won three games. Yes. They are three and 23. Now they've competed in some games, but they're three and 23. So Oregon, Oregon state, that's their first game uh, against the last place team in the pac 12. Then they get Colorado. Okay. And they played Colorado twice this year and they're one and one against them. The first game they played was a very close game, uh, lost by four points. And then when they saw them the second time around, they kind of cruised to like a 15-point win. So I don't know if that's the second time around they kind of had them figured out, but Mm -hmm. it's a rubber match. And based off how the first two games went, Colorado got a close win the first round. Oregon got a very comfortable win the second round. I think that 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 game plays to their advantage. And then uh, that would put them against... Arizona, who, uh, I mean, I'm assuming Arizona. I don't know that Arizona State or Stanford are right. going to beat them. So the top-seeded Arizona team, um, you know, earlier when they played this season, Oregon almost beat them in Tucson. Yeah, So true. Taking that into consideration with the fact that Arizona, whether they win 
a game in the Pac-12 tournament or not, they've likely already secured a number one seed in the big dance. And then you have Oregon, who's at that point playing with their season on the line. So you got, okay, we've already almost beat this team in their place earlier this season. This other team, like they don't really have any, they don't have anything to gain from this game. Our entire season's on the line. I think that would be enough to push Oregon over the hump. And then at that point, like they've got that kind of momentum. I don't know if there's anybody at the bottom of that bracket that, that, uh, that, uh, they couldn't at least compete with in the PAC 12 championship. So my, my dark horse is Oregon, even though I feel pretty confident one of the top three seeds is going to win that tournament, but I went with Oregon. I think I'm going to go with a team that most people probably isn't thinking about in the Pac-12 because most of us think, you know, obviously the top three teams are going to win. I'm going to go with UW, man, the Huskies. So check this out. Did a little research on the Huskies. Um, Completed their season in 16 and 14. Finished in a three-way tie with your team you like, Oregon Mm -hmm. and Washington State. They also, so they they bring back uh, their senior guard, Dejon Davis, who missed six of the last nine games to right shoulder injury. So they're back to full strength, which means they have a little bit more depth. Now I don't know how much he's going to bring to the table, but it always helps to have some some veteran leadership in that. Um, Coming into that, excuse me. So then on top of that, I think also a big, big, big deal for them is they have this guy on this team, Nate Roberts, right? So first off, UW has won the last three of their four games. So they're riding high on momentum. If they win in the first round, that's four out of the last five games at this point. We know everything about March is about momentum. They got the momentum. I want you to listen to um, his last two big games that Roberts has put up. Against Oregon last week, he had a career-high 18 points and 16 rebounds. And then at Oregon State, he put up another double-double at 13 points and 16 rebounds. Which, if he can do that, along with their leading scorer, who's uh, with their leading scorer, who I'm looking at right now, they're saying is Terrell Brown, who's the Pac-12 leading 21 points a game. And then you bring back the senior guard in Dejon Davis. I think this is a team that could potentially – you're riding that momentum. Roberts is having big games, posting double-doubles the last couple games. You have the leading score in the Pac-12. You bring back a senior guard who's been missing over the last nine games to hopefully he can just jump back in a rotation and give you something. Um, now, only problem is they face USC in the quarterfinals if they win. But once again, bro, it's March. Anything's possible. So if we're just picking a dark horse, I'm going to say – uh. I want to pick you, Dub, man. We know momentum's everything. I I want to ride the hot hand with that, and so um, I'd be interested to see that. Okay, believe it or not, there was one reason I almost picked them as well, and it's not anything you just said because everything you just said, I just learned. You just so you 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 gave me some content I did not know. So, however. The reason why I almost picked them, getting back to my philosophy in March, is their coach, Mike Hopkins. Mike Hopkins was a longtime assistant at Syracuse. Mike Hopkins, when he joined the Syracuse staff in 95 or 96, that was the year when Bayheim said, we're going full-blown committing to this 2-3 matchup. He had ran it his entire time he had been there, But, like, it was in the mid-90s was when he said, this is all we're going to do defensively. Mike Hopkins was a huge part of that. Washington now runs that 2-3 matchup zone that Syracuse runs. The only reason why it might look a little bit different is because what I don't know, and this is why I just didn't pick him, I don't know if he's been able to recruit the same type of length that Syracuse recruits year in and year out Mm -hmm. that makes that zone so effective. But... The same thinking that I applied to my Syracuse pick also applies to UW. So with everything you just said, combined with what they do defensively, they could very well find themselves in that same spot. And Hopkins has improved their record by uh, 11 games this year. So they only won five games last year. So, you know, I I think – being a tutelage out of out of from Syracuse, it it could be you know anybody can get got in in March. That's what I say about the tournament. Anybody can get got, 
and it, it wouldn't shock me if you know UW makes a little makes a little last second run, um, and finds themselves deep in this Pac-12 tournament. Yeah, I mean, I thought UW was getting ready to become one of the top tier teams in the Pac-12 because like Hopkins' second year there, they won like 25, 26, or 27 games, something like that. Mm-hmm. His defense was suffocating teams, and then they just kind of, again, I don't know if it's he couldn't recruit the right length, but maybe they're finding something this year that 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 that, that will uh, spark some spark a Cinderella run here in here in the month of March. So. And speaking of Cinderella Run, y'all can head over to the website and check out B. Holmes's blog on uh, teams that that could potentially be the Cinderellas of this year's March Madness season. But okay, I digress. SEC, the last, the sixth and final conference we're going to talk about. about them. Um, do you have yours for them, or do you want me to go first? Uh, no, go ahead. You can go ahead. You go ahead. Okay, actually, so you I know what? no, I can do. It. I can run it. with it. Actually, my bad. Yep. I'm gonna no, go. Um. Oh, I'm. Ugh. I really, really, really don't ever believe in them in basketball season. But I actually, I'm actually gonna roll with my boys down at LSU, man. I'm gonna roll with the boys down at LSU. I've I've, I've watched them a couple times. I kind of like. Though, I had a hard time picking LSU Trey because every time I feel like I've picked LSU when it comes to basketball season I get let down <laughs> like I, I feel I feel like it always 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 ends in disappointment um now these last couple of weeks I've been trying to catch up on my college basketball so I can know kind of what's really going on I've watched LSU a couple of times I like the talent I like what they're doing down there they play some very very competitive games mm. And plus, I think I know who you're going to pick because um, I think that's who I was kind of leaning. But I just want to believe in them this year. I mean, they're coming in in the fifth in the fifth seed. I don't really find the SEC that strong. I mean, I believe Auburn's going to run away with it, hands down, without any questions, without any competition. But I'm going I'm to go with the boys down there in Baton Rouge, man. Um, you know, maybe Brian Kelly's bringing some extra little magic that way with his new Cajun accent. Um, it's going <laughs> to help them out on the basketball court. Well, the SEC, I think, has one of the top conferences in college basketball this year. I think if you look at the resume of the top four seeds and who they've beaten over the course of the year, uh, you've got four teams that all could end up making deep tourney runs. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think it's going to be easy for Auburn. I think Auburn, um, sure, they have a chance to win it, but... I mean, I really think it's it's a crapshoot between Auburn, Arkansas, Tennessee, and Kentucky. All teams playing great basketball at the right time. You could almost make an argument out of those four that Auburn has has had more of a lull in the in in, in the final stretch of the season than the other three. And um, obviously, you know where my loyalty resides. I'm I'm all in on the Hogs, but I also I'm not. I'm not too worried about it because it's just nice going into the SEC tournament knowing whether you win the first your first game or not. Like you're going to be in the big dance. Whereas dance. Yeah. sometimes uh, prior to Musselman, like that wasn't the case. But yeah, I went with uh, Alabama. Roll Tide, Coach Nate Oates. I mean, I can't ignore the fact that they've beat Gonzaga, they've beat Baylor. And they beat Houston. And look, I know Houston's a group of five, uh, uh, considered a mid-major team, but they are a Final Four caliber team. And uh, they yeah. beat all three of them this season. They've had some good wins in conference. Uh, Bama's problem has been very similar to OU, where they just they've struggled to be consistent. But their reasoning, I I believe, is a little bit different than OU's because Alabama's style of play is very just let it fly and if you're not making your shots or if you're not crashing the boards or whatever you want right. to say, like that, that, that can be a cause for inconsistency when you run that style of play where it's just fast tempo, we're, we're, we're letting it fly. Um, now last year, that style took them to a regular season SEC championship and the conference tournament championship. But, um, uh, I don't know. I just look at what they've done this season and I'm looking at their layout. They they would they would get Georgia or Vanderbilt first round. I mean, they'd have to play Kentucky second round, which that's just 
I mean, the thing about Kentucky is they're going to always have arguably the most talented roster in whatever tournament they're in. It's just whether or not, you know, the experience factor comes in. But, man, they've got a Haas down low. He's just a monster. Um, Ashibwe, I think, is how you say his last name. He's, He's up for National Player of the Year. Obviously, you've got Auburn with Jabari Smith. Uh, he's also up for National Player of the Year. Arguably, uh, uh, some you know most think he's going to be the top pick in the NBA draft. So a lot of talent. Then you got teams like Tennessee and Arkansas who who are led more by by rosters that have been pieced together with with good Maybe. recruiting classes. But also, I know at least from Arkansas standpoint, they've got the transfer portal. Like their top their top guy, their top scorer. Is a, is a guard who's been on the roster for, I want to say, three years now. He came in Musselman's first year as a yeah. transfer in uh, J.D. Note. And then you got Jalen Williams, who was a big-time recruit out of Fort Smith. He's our big man. He's like a walking double-double. And here's the deal with Arkansas. I think you just have one other player step up in March. They're going to make a deep run. Because the way I they've agree. kind of found their identity is, it's like Jalen Williams gets his double-double, takes charges, does his thing. J.D. Note is a walking bucket, drops like 20 a night. And then they've had like a rotation of who will step up as that third contributor. It's like if they could just have a guy just say, I'm going to be, I'm it. I'm the third option. I'm going to take over this role for the conference tourney and the big dance. They could make some noise. But I had to go on a little spiel about Arkansas. But Bama's my pick. So... That about does it. I mean, I've got, let's see. So to recap, I'm going nine seed Syracuse ACC, fifth seed Marquette Big East, seventh seed Michigan State Big Ten, seventh seed OU Big 12, fifth seed Oregon Pac-12, and the sixth seed Bama in the SEC. Yeah. You want to run down yours I real mean, quick? So I, I went, yeah, I went Virginia. I went Virginia. I went Marquette. Big Ten was a toss-up for me, Iowa, and obviously I'm a homer for Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went Iowa State for the Big 12. Pac-12, I went Washington, which I'm feeling actually even more confident about after I just talked about them. Like, I'm feeling way more confident <laughs> than uh, the SEC. I went I went LSU. You know, and I think, you know, I said I don't really like it. I mean, I think partially my bias for the SEC is I just think, I'm a northern guy. I'm from Detroit. Like, I don't believe people in the south play basketball nearly as good as up north teams. It's just, like, a thing. It's it's just what we believe. Like, and But I will say this about your Arkansas team because I've never watched more Arkansas sports since becoming your friend because um, <laughs> it was never a team I would normally ever watch because um, I have zero allegiance to that school. <laughs> but they are – I've watched them play a lot of basketball this year. They're freakishly good. Um, and, like, when they're, when they're humming um, – because that was really my pick. I, if they weren't in the top four, I would have picked Arkansas. Mm. They're just one of those teams that you're just like, oh, when they're clicking, they're clicking, and they're tough, tough, tough to beat. Um, and I think they could. I think they'll make a deep run in the tournament. Personally, um, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be shocked. Well, but to your point, LSU. I mean, they've got the talent to do it. Um, I just. Yeah. I can't stand I Will him. Wade. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I just I don't do. like Will Wade. Like. The, everything about the guy just annoys me. So, <laughs> and, and I can save that tangent for another time, but just just watch. If you're not a big college basketball fan, or maybe you're like Brandon, you, you don't believe in SEC basketball because that's more football country, just watch yep. an LSU game this week and watch Will Wade. And then get back to me on what your thoughts are. I, I Because I, I'm confident you will feel just as strongly as I do about just – his whole zhush. So, all right. <laughs> we are reaching the hour mark. Man, it feels good to get another full episode in, man. March Madness Edition. We'll bring it. Just a reminder, we're bringing you all the action for March Madness. The whole month of March, we will have weekly full episodes, just like we did in football season. It's the Blue Bloods College Game Time Podcast. Um, so here's how I say we close this episode out, B. Holmes. Hey, by the way, if you're watching on YouTube right now, please hit subscribe. Uh, if you're listening it, on Apple or Spotify, hit subscribe. Like, leave us a review. If it, you leave us a review, it helps drive our um, podcast up the charts for people who are searching for our type of content. But as of like recently, 
if you just type in Blue Bloods on Apple, like we're one of the top three comes right podcasts that, that comes up. Yeah. So, um, and maybe that's just on mine, but I think that's I think that's the case. No, but, somebody else committed the other day. They've sub- uh, subscribed and they typed in and we popped right up. Perfect. So, closing out this episode, one bold prediction. I got one for you. For March Madness. It can be anything. One bold prediction. Before Selection Sunday. Okay, because the next time we do an episode, it'll be after Selection Sunday. So, yeah. Or it'll be right in the middle of it. Who knows? Maybe we'll broadcast right like as we're watching it. I don't know. But what's your bold prediction? My bold prediction is it's going to throw a lot of people off. I've watched this team play a lot of basketball this year. Hmm. This team has made me a good amount of money this year in basketball. <laughs> They've made me some change for my wedding. I'm going to say this, man. The Providence Friars are going to go to the mm. Final Four. Mm. I love them. I love the team. I love Ed Cooley. I think that team plays for him. They get up for him. They're gritty. They're tough. They're scrappers. They fight. They got the chip on the shoulder. I don't know if you watched the game against Villanova a couple weeks ago. I think it was like two weeks ago. To me, that was the best. And I didn't watch a ton of college basketball earlier in the season, but it was the best game I watched. Um, Pins and needles all game. They Mm. can score. They can play defense. Um, And I think the constant disrespect they've kind of received, even though they're the number one seed in the Big East, kind of fuels this fire for them because – Everyone expects it to be Nova or UConn. I mean, those are kind of like the OGs in the Big East. And so Providence, man, they have just been – I love their style of basketball. I love the grit. I love the fight. I mean, you know, anything about me, you guys got to know I'm from Detroit, man. So I love gritty, tough, scrappy basketball. Like, that's the basketball I grew up watching. That's the basketball I grew up playing. So teams like that are always going to have me. And I just think – I don't think they're afraid of the big moment. I think Mm -hmm. people have to put that into perspective and – in these things, you can't be afraid of the big moment. And they've gone toe-to-toe with Goliath in every game. And, you know, they've only lost four games. And they've shown this year, like, especially in that Nova game, that Nova game, I think they proved to the country we're not afraid of the big moment. Actually, we want the big moment. Um, so I want to say Providence to the final four, man. I, I, I believe it can happen. Well, and like you mentioned in your blog post, so if you haven't – gone to our website, which you probably haven't because you just found out about it listening to this episode. But Brandon wrote about them in a blog and uh, talked about how, you know, they're one win away from a 25-win season, which would be the first time they've won 25 games since the last time they went to the Final Four, which was in the mid-80s, coached by Rick Pitino, led by point guard Billy Donovan. So I think a lot of that disrespect kind of that you mentioned is like, their recent history hasn't been that of Villanova or UConn. So mm-hmm. they've kind of been this Cinderella all season, but like people right. still don't want to give them that respect as a legitimate national title contender. I'm with you. Okay. Here's my bold prediction, man. And I'm actually writing a blog about this. Um, that'll probably be up maybe by the time this episode's up. I don't know yet, but my bold prediction is that this year, the Pac-12 wins the national title and Ooh. ends a 25-year drought. The last wow. Pac-12 national championship was back in 1997 with the Mike Bibby, Mike, Michael Dickerson, Jason Terry, Miles Simon, Lute Olsen-led Arizona Wildcats. And uh, What a team. I know. And it was actually an upset when they played Kentucky. Kentucky was the, yes. I want to say, the number one overall seed of that tournament. And um, a Rick Patino coached Kentucky squad. But that was the last time the Pac-12 won the national title in college hoops. They got real close last year with UCLA. Uh, they got they got there in like the mid-2000s when they, when they got whooped by one of those Billy Donovan Florida teams. So they've kind of sniffed. Yeah. Um, so, and I, and I think the reason why I say that so confidently or, or make that my bold prediction is because I, I truly believe there are three 
quality Pac-12 teams that are Final Four caliber this year. And I don't know that the conference mm-hmm. has been able to have that in a long time. And I think if you look at the ACC kind of being down compared to what it normally is, I think the Big Ten is not as stout as it normally is. The SEC mm-hmm. is probably as as good as it's ever been. But when you just look at the national landscape and you've got three caliber teams of Arizona, USC, and UCLA who are all primed for high seeds in the tournament as well. Yeah, true, true. So that's my bold prediction that the Pac-12 wins a mm. national title and ends a 25-year drought. Believable. So, What's the kid from UCLA? Johnny Luzang? John, uh, that kid. Juzang or whatever, yeah. Man, yeah. he shot Michigan out the gym last year. He took over tournament. last year. Like, if he gets hot, that's – I mean, was, we've seen it from tournaments past. All it takes is one guy getting really hot in the tournament, and it could – yeah, he can single-handedly win a national title. Well, and I, I, it is, and it comes down. I mean, like like we've said this before, but the tournament play always comes down to guards, right? Yep. Or you have that one guy that just takes it over. But you know, for me, and maybe I put way too much stock into this, but I also look at the coaches: mm-hmm. Mick Cronin, Andy Enfield. And uh, old boy from uh, uh, Gonzaga, Tommy Lloyd, in his first year at Arizona, the longtime Gonzaga assistant. Like, I don't know. I think this is their year, Pac-12. So, um, we are over an hour. That's all I've got. Next episode might just be a bracket special because at that point, we'll have the bracket set. We are going to have a Blue Bloods uh, bracket challenge. So, just like we did for Bowl Mania. Uh, Bowl Mania, by the way. (laughs) Uh, I was, I, it was a three-way tie for first. Really? It was me, my cousin, Alicia, who's been a day one shout listener. Out to Alicia, day one. So follow. Shout out Alicia and, uh, my dad. <laughs> so your dad three, joined it. My dad joined it. <laughs> I was like, who is it? I was like, Oh, that's my dad. So we were, yeah, we had a pretty good turnout and it's funny because it's like all these people. And then, yeah. It was a three-way tie, so. The Smith clan. Anyways, the bracket challenge is going to be that much bigger, though, because everybody fills out a bracket. So Everybody puts in a bracket. Well. Well, guys. Sign us off. We haven't done an ending in so long. I, forget. <laughs> I almost forgot. It's like, well, that was nice talking to you. All right. <laughs> well, see you later. later. Anyways. <laughs> well. Well, guys, man, thank you guys for joining the Blue Bloods College Game Time Podcast, man. We love you guys. Thank you for the support. Make sure you follow us on all our social media handles. We shall be very active in the Twitter sphere in the month of March. Very mm-hmm. active in the Twitter sphere in the month of March. I believe Trey's on spring break. I'm on a little rest myself. So expect the tweets to be flying this week during conference championship. <laughs> you can follow Trey at It's Trey Smith. You can yep. follow me at, at RealBHomes on Twitter. Love engagement with you guys. Make sure you subscribe here to the YouTube channel. Follow us on our, um, on you know, subscribe to us as well on the place you get your uh, podcasting platforms. And the website, collegegametime.com, the blog. It's up. It's running. Yes. We'll be dropping content there nonstop as well. Thank you guys once again for all the support. We love you. We appreciate you. Until next week, peace. College football. I love March Madness.